0: views expressed by speakers are their own and may not necessarily represent the views of the IMS. Hello, I'm Dr. Marla Shapiro, and I sit on the Board of Trustees of the International Menopause Society. Today, we're going to be talking about a very complex subject called polycystic ovarian syndrome. And for that, I'm joined by our world expert, Professor Fauser. Hello and welcome. And can you tell our audience a little bit about you?
1: Hello to all of you. Uh, my name is uh, Bart Fauser. I'm a professor emeritus of the University of Utrecht uh, in the Netherlands. Uh, uh, I'm an obstetrician and gynecologist uh, with a long history in in reproductive uh, science, uh, and one of my particular areas of interest since the very very beginning is uh, women that suffer from polycystic ovary syndrome.
0: So, as a woman, I've heard that phrase PCOS, which is what it's abbreviated, but what are the things that I should look out for that might tell me that I might have this syndrome?
1: Yeah, the the term PCOS is uh, debated uh, a lot. Uh, Is this what we really want at this stage? And not just we as doctors, but certainly also the women involved. Uh, And this is an ongoing debate already for a long, long time. Uh, it It replaces the term Stein-Leventhal uh, syndrome. Uh, that's how it was originally de- 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 coined uh, by the two eh, quote unquote inventors, uh, Mr. Stein and Leventhal. Uh, and that was based on ovarian morphology. So in the early days, you need to do biopsies uh, of the ovaries uh, to be diagnosed. Uh, then it went but to I, But sim-
0: I, as a woman, what symptoms yeah. might I have that might make me think, oh, I might have this.
1: Yeah. Um uh, so the symptoms that, that are, are uh, clearly associated with uh, polycystic oil that can be recognized is irregular menstrual cycles uh, and not in the first few years after puberty and after menarche, because during those years, uh, uh, cycle abnormalities are very common irregular and infrequent bleeding, eh? oligomenorrhea, as we say. So, but if this persists, let's say, after the age of 18 to 20 years, uh, then uh, that would be suspicious for for this diagnosis, Uh, although there are other reasons for this, but at least this will be a sign that needs to uh, uh, give you the idea, or this needs to be figured out uh, what is, and particularly if this Uh, uh, coincides with signs of elevated androgen exposure, which is the male hormone, uh, which all women have male hormones, like all men have female hormones. But if it's elevated in women, this may give rise to signs like uh, hirsutism, so more male hair patterns, usually in your face, but it could, could also be in your in your body. So particularly if those two signs coincide, irregular periods, infrequent periods, and signs of uh, increased hair growth, uh, that should raise a, ring a bell.
0: Okay. So if we look at the short-term concerns and long-term concerns for women who have this syndrome, what is it as a patient that we need to be aware of
1: yeah in terms of short-term concerns the the now, uh, let me do one, go one step back. I think n- number one uh, th- there's no reason for panic because this is a very common condition okay. to some extent yeah that, that may be reassuring it's self-limiting yeah. in the proportion of, of women uh, uh, it is also a condition that may not see any doctor referrals at all. But at short term, what what is the the clinical problem most frequently are three irregular menstrual periods. Number one. Number two, increased extent of hair growth, as as we mentioned. And number three, uh, 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 infertility. So if you try to get pregnant, and if you have irregular periods or no periods, of course, that is probably not going to work because these irregular or absent periods are a sign of ovulatory dysfunction. And if 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 your ovary does not work normally, your chances for, to get pregnant without medical intervention are significantly reduced.
0: So that would be relatively within the reproductive years, things that women <clears throat> to about. But as we move along in our lifespan after the reproductive years. Is there anything else that this may lead to in the future that I need to be aware of?
1: Yeah, in women diagnosed with this condition, although it's not part of the diagnostic criteria, a significant proportion of these women, they they present with obesity, uh, number one, and signs of insulin resistance and subtle metabolic dysfunction. That means that your metabolism is not working uh, uh, properly, including your insulin, your glucose and insulin uh, balance. Uh, And these are, they may occur in the general population, but these are more prevalent in women diagnosed with PCOS. And they may have implications for pregnancy and children uh, uh, outcomes, uh, but it may also have implications or later life health risks in these women.
0: So I think what we're also talking about then is our blood sugars, our blood cholesterols, our triglycerides. So in terms of lifestyle management, before we talk about seeing a healthcare practitioner who might offer me medical strategies or medications, what's important for us to be able to do to decrease the long-term healthcare risks in terms of a lifestyle?
1: Yep. Yeah. Um, I think a very relevant uh, question. Uh, You can clearly see there are also differences between the the way patients are managed in in the US versus uh, Europe. Uh, For all individuals, men and women, but of course, particularly for women at risk, uh, uh, lifestyle management is a key factor, is very, very important. That means trying to reduce weight in in overweight uh, women. And that doesn't mean that you have to go through the frustration to normalize uh, uh, body weight, uh, but even a modest decrease in body weight, five to 10% uh, has been shown to has clear advantages uh, in terms of metabolic dysfunction, even in, ter- in ter- terms of chance to get pregnant, uh, either without medical intervention or with medical intervention. Uh, so those are the things you can do, lifestyle, physical activities, uh, healthy sleep, uh, uh, decrease overweight, uh, body weight. uh, These are very general measures uh, for the general population, but they certainly more frequently apply to women diagnosed with PCOS.
0: And from a medical perspective, once we try to make lifestyle changes, and we know how difficult it is in the long term to adapt these healthy lifestyles and then maintain the healthy lifestyles, is there something that um, a doctor, a nurse practitioner, your healthcare practitioner, might offer you in terms of therapies?
1: Yes, so so there is a lot of potential medication or or medication which is potentially useful. But also, I think we have to be very careful for overuse uh, without the proper evidence. Uh, I know that, uh, particularly in the US, uh, there are women put on multi-medication from a young age onwards for decades. and, and we have to acknowledge that there's no proof of its benefits. Uh, and these may, you know, appetize lowering drugs. Uh, these, may, uh, uh, these may represent insulin sensitizers. Uh, there are various, various forms of this. Uh, uh, now there's a whole range of new drugs focused on the leptin system. Uh, so there is many, many drugs, but believe me, when you ask me what is the evidence that this is efficacious in women diagnosed with polycystic ovary syndrome to reduce long-term health risk, to be honest, I think there is no evidence uh, as yet. And of course, this is in general, when you need to, thir- need to do a 30-year follow-up study, that is not going to be easy to, to, to deliver the message uh, and, and the evidence. On the other hand, I think we have to be careful with with too much medication, too early, because it also gives them, I think, the wrong message uh, that, you know, medication can take care of the problems. Uh, It is not that simple. And Mm -hmm. still the key, the key in reducing long-term health risk, I think, is the behavior of women themselves. And we should put all efforts in supporting uh, that, although we all realize how hard it is.
0: Very hard. And before I let you go, um, for women who are watching who may have PCOS and are going through the fertility years and are successful in having children, are there any implications that we need to worry about for our children, either in terms of inheriting this condition or them being at risk for future disease, whether they're boy or girls? What is it that we, as, as a woman who has PCOS, who ultimately does have children, need to be concerned about?
1: Yeah, a very relevant uh, question and I think very pertinent uh, for women to understand. Uh, There is, at least in our area of medicine, there's a a new area developing which is called preconception health. That means health of women before or around they get pregnant. Uh, And this relates, this is beyond PCOS, but I think it's particularly relevant for PCOS. But this is, you know, when you look at, when you think about the embryo, and embryo development, uh, it is easy to imagine that what happens during the embryo during pregnancy uh, has implications for later life health. Uh, And now there's a whole new science in this area. So earliest phases of embryonic development is clearly determining later life health risks. Uh, Believe it or not, but there are many, many studies to show this. so for PCOS, uh, if you talk about obese, uh, obesity in line or in combination with metabolic dysfunction and in combination with insulin resistance, uh, you, you can easily understand that the, the health of a woman uh, like that before she gets pregnant is not optimal. And you can easily understand that if a woman under those conditions, do get does get pregnant. Uh, there are increased chances for pregnancy complications, particularly gestational diabetes, so developing of diabetes during pregnancy, and preeclampsia, which is increased blood pressure during pregnancy. And those two factors during pregnancy are clearly associated with suboptimal children outcomes. Birth is uh, is a little earlier body weight uh, of the child born is is abnormal. Uh, But later on, and already during early childhood, uh, you can see subtle metabolic abnormalities. You know, they don't have the signs of that yet. They they don't have symptoms, Uh, but when you look more carefully in a study environment, you already at a young age see clear abnormalities, both in female and male offspring. So both in boys and girls. And we have to, of course, again, study carefully what this means for the future. But overall, of course, I think it is fair to say that when you see subtle metabolic abnormalities at a young age, uh, for sure, these individuals, these children will have increased health risks later in life. Well,
0: it's a fascinating topic and one that clearly needs more research and more education about. And I thank you on behalf of our women listeners who have been watching to have educated us, and we look forward to more research as time goes forward. Thank you. Thank you.